Good to see you tonight in the Lord's house. We're going to begin our service, please, with number 435, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. Let's stand as we sing. Come, please, before the Lord now in prayer. Our loving Father, this truth we have been singing about just now, we are lost in wonder, in love, and in praise for all that we have received, Lord, from Your kind and gracious hand. We've been giving blessing today already, given the opportunity of coming to the house of prayer tonight to offer our thanksgiving and our worship and our praise in prayers openly, in prayers in the silence of the heart. Dear Lord, as we come into Thy holy presence, let us do so with great joy in our hearts 
every distraction being taken away. And Lord, we might devote and dedicate this hour to our God. Father, we have received temporal blessings abundantly, many, many things. And even when it seems things are a little empty or barren, yet, Father, we have enough and to spare. I pray that we would be thankful each day for the mercies, the tenderness that we receive from our God, the Hannah, the manna that falls from heaven. O oh God, bless us, we pray, and help us to be truly thankful. And these are just the temporal things, Lord. All of the spiritual mercies that daily are showered upon us, the greatest, the knowledge that we have life eternal, that God has so loved us, given His only begotten Son, Lord, that tonight we have been recipients of divine grace. And Lord, we rejoice that it is well with our soul. We have a home in heaven. And sooner than we know, we will be in glory. And dear Father, until that day comes, keep us looking with anticipation for our redemption that is drawing nigh. And our Lord, whether He will come while we are still alive here, or after we have departed this scene of time and our Savior returns. What a glorious day that will be, the culmination of all history and the ultimate glory received to our Redeemer. Dear Lord, I pray that each believer would be found about the Master's business, everyone in this congregation, all of us, Lord, pulling together in the service and work of Christ. Do not allow us to be distracted. Do not allow the devil to sow seeds of doubt or seeds of bitterness or any other seeds of distraction from the work of Christ. Keep us, we pray, in the center of Your divine will. Keep us focused, Lord, with a holy zeal and a heart that is on fire for our God, Lord, don't let the devil pour his water to extinguish the fire. But rather, Lord, may the oil of the Spirit be plentiful that we might burn brightly for our Lord. Remember, Lord, again today, we pray for our sick ones. We pray for those that are in hospital or going through times of treatment. Thankful that Glenn McFarland was in the service this morning. And we pray for this man that you would touch his body, that you would apply healing as he is going through cancer treatment now. We pray also for Serene's uncle in hospital. Lord, your hand would be upon him to touch him in the very hour and place of his need. Remember Serene. We pray for our brother Ron. Remember Richard Teo. Lord, bless all of these ones. We think of our sister Joan and Duncan and not doing well either. Bless them and pray for Mrs. Nichols tonight, that, Lord, Your hand would be upon our dear sister, that she would know great blessing and she would know a touch physically as well. Lord, and others that are shut in, that have once been faithful in the house of God every single week, but now in this elderly time they cannot. Lord, be very, very near to them and encourage their hearts and bless them. Remember 
those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake today. Bless them no matter where they are in this world. May they know the nearness of Christ, the strength of the Holy Spirit, and let their testimony be bright in the time of great difficulty and trial. We ask, Lord, to have mercy upon us in our own land that we would have freedom to see the gospel continue to go out and bless every endeavor of outreach and bring in a great harvest, Lord, we pray, of souls converted and of believers being built up. Dear Lord, hear and answer our prayer. Let this ministry be expanded for the glory of Thy name. Let the radio broadcast that goes across our nation, and we pray for Brother Golliher that You would bless him as he oversees this. And bless him as he is overseas now, ministering the Word. We pray blessing would be upon him at this time. We think of the work in Calgary that he is also overseeing as they are without a minister now. Bless that congregation. Lord, encourage them. Strengthen them. Keep the devil away from the door from every dimension. And we pray that you would raise up the right man for that work. We think of the work in Cloverdale and look with anticipation, Lord, to the end of June when Brother Fitton will be installed and ordained as the minister there. Bless that congregation. Thankful for answering prayer. We think of Frank DiDerno and the work in Fredericton as he is hoping to go there, Lord. Bless him and prepare the way. We ask for our brother Daniel Simon as he ministers in Port Hope tonight. Pour out your Spirit upon him. Bless him, we pray. And as he prepares himself for full-time ministry, O oh God, help and strengthen and provide and bless in every way. Other students that are in our, our theological hall, bless them, we pray, and open the right door at the right time for them. We think of the other pulpits in our denomination that don't have pastors. Be with them and bless them and strengthen them. Hear our prayers tonight. Encourage us, Lord, as we gather around the Word again and as we sing praises to Thy great and holy name. We ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. Turning again, please, to number 420, Love Lifted Me. We'll stand again as we sing.
chorus of verse 3. You may notice if you're using the hymnal, there's an alteration we can simply put in when it says, Love lifted me when nothing else. Well, when we will say when no one else, when no one else could help me but Christ will change that as we do in the chorus. Let's sing this third verse. turn now in your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. Revelation 2. Reading the first seven verses. And I'm sure you are familiar with this portion to some degree. It is the beginning of the words spoken by the Spirit of God to the seven churches of Asia and Ephesus, the first one that is being spoken about here. This was written and applied some 40 years after the church in Ephesus started. So a whole generation of people had passed by from those first members and those who had started. And there is a good word to be spoken here to this church, and there is also a word of challenge and rebuke and of caution. Let's read from verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hath borne, and hath patience, and for my name's sake hath labored, and hath not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. 
But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Very encouraging words that the Spirit spoke to this church, that Paul had many faithful and endearing words to speak to and about as we read in the book of Ephesians. Well, they were faithful in many ways. They had proved the Lord. They had taken their stand for righteousness. They had exposed evil apostates, those who were involved in compromising the truth, and they were faithful in many ways. But it seems that something had happened, and the Lord had to expose the loss of their first love. In some way, they had fallen. In some way, there had been a denial, a loss, Was it as severe or extreme as Peter? Maybe not. But it was serious enough that the Lord brings to them a very strong word of caution, and it was necessary for them to repent, to make confession for where they had gone off the rails. Sometimes the Lord has to come to us, you know, in the same way. If we've other derailed, or we're not exactly in the place that we know we should be or we used to be, well, that word comes to us. And so, we read this portion tonight because obviously in thinking of John 21, we're considering the words and the question of the Lord to Peter. We'll be pondering that a little bit later in the service as well today. But this is not something that we think to ourselves we are We're all set. We're all good. Everything's right with us. We're all okay. It's not the time for that spirit or that heart. No, whenever we read the Scriptures, it's good for us to think deeply and to pray, Lord, expose any area in my own heart. And please, Lord, lead me along the pathway that I am to go so that I do not fall into that trap. I don't become self-sufficient. I don't think that I'm all okay with no need to change, but the Lord will come by His Spirit, and He will touch us carefully and gently just in that place, and we will have attentive ears, attentive hearts, and we're going to say, yes, Lord, please come and lead me, speak to me, show me, so that I may be faithful and fruitful And of course, the final promise the Lord gives before He signs off to this church was that, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life. What a great promise that is. In the Garden of Eden, Adam could eat of the tree of life before he had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was not to eat of that one. But as soon as he had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin came into his heart. And if he had eaten of the tree of life then, 
Many commentators believe it meant that he would have been eternally damned and sealed in a lost estate. God stopped him from eating of that tree then, and that now, in Christ, the Lord has reversed the curse that came upon Adam and upon all humanity, and because that reversal has been done by sovereign grace and by the power of our Lord, now we are able to partake of the tree of life and eat it abundantly, not just here and now, because we are participants of it now, but for all eternity. And that's our hope, and that's our joy. May the Lord bless the truth of His Word to every heart. Glad that you are here this evening in person and viewing our service online. If you are in need of prayer and you're watching our service online, please send us an email and we'll be in contact with you. Let me know also if you're part of our fellowship and you have something, a burden on your heart you need prayer for, by all means, let me know. If you know someone who is sick or someone that maybe has not been in the service for a while and you're wondering about them, by all means, reach out and contact them. You have our church directory. That's a good thing to do. Just give them a call. Give them a text. Let them know you're praying for them. And uh, that's a very positive and encouraging thing. But let me know if you come across anyone that needs particular prayer or some help. Let's continue to hold up June Hamilton in our prayers as she is nearing the river of death, and yet it will be the river of life for her. Remember her family at this time. I prayed for, I said, Greg McFarland this morning. It's actually Glenn and it's interesting because must be 40 years ago, close to it, he was in our Sunday school here and was brought up along with his mother and father and family, other brothers and sisters and so on, and it was good to see him back. But he is suffering esophageal cancer this time. He's going through treatment, and it's very good. He says the Lord's doing something in his life, and let's pray that God will really bless him, his wife, and their family and just encourage them and certainly touch his body with a measure of healing. Remember others in our congregation that are weak and some going through times of sickness. And again, we're thinking about Serene's family at this time and her as well. Please note, as our congregational mid-year prayer is for Monday and Tuesday, with Wednesday being our baptismal service, this week. If you can at all come out each night, I know it would be a blessing for you and for others in the fellowship. We want to get hold of God. They hold upon Him for the power that we need for ongoing ministry and service and just to live life and to be able to be witnesses that will shine very brightly in our time. We need the power of God poured out upon us I'm sure that you feel the heaviness of the issues of life and all of the stuff going on around us in our world, in our country, our city. Well, we need to be very strongly equipped by the power of God. So let's come thinking tomorrow night to pray to that end. And then on Tuesday night, we want to focus our prayers on being that witness in our community 
and letting the Lord's light shine through us so that we will be a witness and will see the power of God in salvation and also in the building of the work of God here. Each night, 7.30 until 9 o'clock. Don't forget on Wednesday night after our baptismal service that we will be having a time of fellowship. So ladies, if you could bring a few light things, that would be good. On Thursday, we will have our session and board meeting 6 and 7.30. And then next Lord's Day, we will be having our regular services, Sunday school at 9.50, and then our morning and evening services, 11, 6.30. AGM, our annual general meeting, June 14th, 7.30, and the Highland Creek Outreach for June the 17th. I have these cards still here on the pulpit with me. Don't please forget our missionary prayer cards. I see there are still some out there, and I know that means that some families haven't taken them yet. So please make sure you take one of each one and pray over the needs of our missionaries and of their families. And then please take some of these cards, our outreach cards that have been prepared for just general outreach that you could use and that we're going to be mailing 10,000 of these around our community. And we want to be praying for God to prosper and to use the gospel word that is contained there. We're going to sing again number 356, though uh, not so sure the tune is altogether familiar. Remain seated while this one is being sung. I'm going to ask the instruments to play through verse 1 as you watch the words and then we will sing. together on the first verse.
done well, but I think you're going to do better if you stand. And so on this final stanza, please stand and we will praise the Lord here. Brother and sister, if there's any reason for us to show and to testify of that love, it is because of Mount Calvary and because of all that our Lord has done for us. Turning, please, to John 21. Verse 15, John 21. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. We'll join, bow please, in prayer. Father, we pray now that our hearts will be settled as we have the Word open. Open our hearts, we pray, to this Word. Give me help, Lord, I ask, the infilling of the Spirit of God to speak Thy Word with the authority of heaven, the power of the Spirit of God. For we know that We cannot depend on the arm of flesh. We cannot depend on our own ability. Lord, come, we pray, and help us. Use us as broken vessels, marred, and yet, Father, redeemed 
and changed and empowered. And therefore, Lord, we pray that our lives will be glorifying to you tonight. Hear our prayers. Bless us now for Jesus' sake. Amen. Do you love me? The question the Lord asked his servant Peter. The picture before us is a moving one, an endearing one. The shore, the morning, Lake Galilee. The third time that Christ has appeared to his disciples, and this situation is filled with practical application for the Christian experience. We know that they had toiled all night, caught nothing. We know there was a miracle, a great one, by the stranger on the shore who told them, put down your net on the right side of the ship. Warm fire, fish cooking, bread ready. And when they were all finished there eating, the Lord turned His attention to Peter and He singled him out of the crowd, a crowd of six, seven, eight, including the Lord. And He spoke to Peter and the interaction that took place, it almost was one that you could see would have been very private, but it was public. And there was good reason why the Lord did that. He wanted the other disciples to hear both the question and the answer. The question, because most definitely, the questions were going to be applied to them as well, if they were attentive and alert at all. all. When the Lord said to Peter, do you love me? Were they not thinking to themselves, what if the Lord asked me that question? Of course they were. They were there. They were taking part even if silently. It gives us valuable instruction on how the Lord has dealt with His servants in the past, and in this specific situation, how the Lord would deal with His servant, and how you and I would learn a good lesson about our dealings with others. Now, we thought this morning about the gentleness of Christ when dealing with our failures. Without condemning Peter at all, the Lord asks him about the state of his heart. Does he love Christ? Which you know is at the heart of all genuine faith. Because you can't truly believe in the Lord, you can't truly have faith in Christ unless you love Him. A person can't say that, well, I don't love the Lord, but I'm still a follower of God. I'm going to heaven. The two things don't mix together. And though the searching questions, they were painful for Peter, yet the Lord was careful not to crush the bruised reed, not to quench the smoking flax, He poured in oil, the oil of healing, 
But in the process of the healing, the Lord asked some question, and He meant by that, we believe. He reminded Peter of who He was. He was simply Simon, a man who had been called to follow Christ. The Lord reminded Peter of what He was. He was son of Jonas. He was an ordinary man. He was a man born of Adam's race, full of folly and foolishness and sin and corruption, pride, all the characteristics of an ordinary man. That was in Peter. We know that. Because that's in every single human being who has ever lived. Do we need to be reminded of our ordinariness at times? Oh, the devil would like to inflate our pride. Sometimes it's not the devil, it's just our own self. But the fact that we are nothing, nothing special apart from divine grace, is a good lesson to be reminded of. We also considered this morning that the Lord graciously gave Peter opportunity to reaffirm his love. From being a broken man, it would not be hard to believe that Peter considered himself unworthy of any place or service in the kingdom of God after what he had done in denying his Messiah. The Savior pressed him three times with questions about his love, all of which were answered in the best way that Peter could. We can see in those answers, our own answers, when we would conclude at the end of it all, Lord, You know all things and You know that my heart, my heart's love for You. And so tonight, as we continue to investigate the lessons for us from this post-resurrection scene, we are not just presented with the gentleness of Christ to a fallen servant. But we also note this. Failing the Lord is not the end of the story. Failing the Lord is not the end. Can you imagine when Peter went out and wept bitterly after his open denial of Christ? Surely he would have thought, I am finished. I'm completely washed up. There is no hope of my recovery. I have sinned against the Holy Spirit. I am an apostate. I am just like Judas. How could I ever be restored? The details so vivid in his own mind. Hauntingly so. Thoughts accusing him. How could I have done such a thing? And of course, the devil is never far away saying to him, Peter, how could you have ever done such a thing? And the devil would grind upon his mind. And he would bring back to him guilt. I have no hope of recovery. And to all these thoughts, the devil pours in insult upon injury to intensify all that he felt. But I wonder that in the and during the darkest defeat, at that time the Holy Spirit 
if he brought to the mind of Simon the words of Jesus. Remember what he said to him? Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Did Peter think of that verse? We don't know. Would the Holy Spirit have at all comforted His servant with that? We would like to think so. Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you, to sift you, to make your testimony of no effect, to make you a washed-up vessel, only a scrap heap. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Now you might think, well, did Peter's faith not fail in that denial? But the prayer that the Lord was answered of his prayer was that his faith would not fail ultimately. And he would see him through. There was a problem. There was a serious setback. Even if Peter did not know what that fully meant when Jesus spoke that word to him. Because don't forget, Peter thought, I will not deny you, Lord. I will die with you. Though all men forsake you, I will carry through. Yet we learn that there is hope for the believer even in the darkest hour. Even in the time when things seem the worst they could ever be. And so, we learn tonight from this portion that failure is not the end of the road for the Christian. And the Lord gave to Peter reassurance. He gave to him reassurance. Reassurance by the Lord on that morning on the shore of the lake. Ultimately, Jesus said to him, Peter, all is not lost. The very fact that Peter was there with the disciples, he had seen the Lord already in the first and second appearance of the Lord. Peter was there with the other disciples. And so Peter knew that though he had fallen, he was not cast off completely. All is not lost, Simon. I yet have a work for you to do. The Lord was reassuring him that he still belonged to him. He was not an apostate. He was not a Judas who had with cunning and predetermination connived to betray and to sell out the Lord. Without doubt, Simon's fall was a great one. But it was not a betrayal of the Lord. And friends, notice the vast difference between these two things. The difference between denial and betrayal. If a person takes the path of Judas to betray, to sell the Lord for silver and gold, to reason through the advantage that can be gained by such treachery, he is lost forever. But many of us have fallen 
by denying the Lord, when we have failed to speak for Him, when opportunity has arisen, when we have failed to defend His Word, when we have failed to stand up for His cause. Yes, we know there are different levels of failure. Peter's was an extreme one, there is no doubt. But we have also been on that part when we have, in one way or another, let our Lord's cause and His person down. But our Lord was gracious to us when we have failed, and He has healed us from the times of our broken heart. We are all lame to some degree, but praise God, He knows our frame and He remembers that we are but dust and ashes. He has compassion on the weak and the weary and the broken. And for Peter, by the very fact that Christ did not condemn him, but he spoke with such love and gentleness that he knew he was not cast off. The Lord was addressing him as one of his own then. And the question he asked, and the response that came, well, we can learn many, many precious lessons for our own life. So there was reassurance that the Lord gave to Peter by His presence, by asking him. But there was also in this a recommission. This was at the heart and is at the heart of the whole interview. Yes, he was probing into the heart of Peter, not because Jesus was unsure about Peter's response, but the whole question was asked for Peter's sake. The Lord does that to us. He probes into our life so that it will be exposed for our own admission. Sometimes we're, we're not very honest with ourselves. But when the Lord gives us a searching question, it will reveal honesty in our own lives. And so the Lord did that in order that He can recommission us for the purpose that He wants us to do. The Lord did this before these six other disciples so that they would see and hear the questions asked and the answers given and the instructions that followed so that they would know that Peter indeed who was going to be called the Apostle to the Jews, that his life work was yet in front of him. Now, just as the words we looked at this morning for love are distinctly different, so are the words for feed as it is used with lambs, and with sheep. So just to refresh your memory, when the Lord said to Peter, Peter, Simon, lovest thou me? The first two times the Lord posed that question, He used the highest word for love. And Peter in his response gave the lower form of love, of friendship or kindly love, endearing love. 
because certainly Peter felt he could not attain to that highest love that Jesus was given. But on the third question, Jesus asked Peter the same word that Peter responded, phileo. And Peter, we're told, was grieved after hearing three times that the Lord had questioned him. Was the Lord coming down to Peter's level? The Lord was working to peel off the layers and to perhaps open the wound a little in order to pour in the healing. When Jesus said to Peter, on all three accounts, He wanted him to feed His people. And the first time this word is used, feed, it is the word bosco. It means to feed by way of providing, helping, nurturing for the spiritual growth of the lambs. And so when he presented that answer and that commission after the first question, did Simon feed my lambs? It was bosco my lambs. It was provide, help, nurture, spiritually edify my lambs. And when the Lord used the word lambs, He would be definitely referring to children of the flock. But it goes farther than that. Because the lambs in any flock are those who are the most vulnerable, the weakest, maybe the younger, but not necessarily the youngest ones. Maybe it would be an older believer who has come to Christ in later years. Or maybe they are a believer that has been greatly struggling for years with issues of faith. And someone else has no trouble in the same area that they are wrestling with. And instead of judging one person and saying, well, I wish that person would grow up. I wish that person would know. That's not how the Lord wants Peter. And for that matter, every preacher, every faithful teacher and leader among the people of God, He doesn't want the leaders to say, why don't you just get it and move along? He wants them to more gently and carefully and lovingly be carried forward in spiritual growth. The lambs of the flock are those who are not able to fend for themselves. They have not grown really to take the strong meat of the gospel and of the doctrines yet. They still need to be helped along. Now sometimes, people after many, many years of being a Christian... They might still be lambs, and unnecessarily so, because the Lord will tell us in other parts of the Scripture that you are children when you should be mature adults. And the Lord said, you cannot take the strong meat, you can only take the milk of the Word, and that in Hebrews is a rebuke to the people. So, we have to be careful about that. 
But here the Lord said to Peter, I want you to nurture the lambs of the flock, taking care of God's people and overseeing over them. Now, why would the Lord be saying this to Peter at this juncture, this time? Well, because the Lord was quickly going to be going away from them, ascending back up to glory. The Peter and the other apostles were coming near the day of Pentecost. They were coming near the time when they were going to be endued with the power of heaven and begin their great life work. And so the great life work that God was giving to them was this. You have to take care of the church of Christ. You have to feed the people of God. They have to grow and be edified so that they also can multiply in their spiritual multiplication and be themselves teachers and helpers and leaders You see, the responsibility of taking this to heart is so very, very important to the Lord Jesus Christ. There may have been other things we could have imagined the Lord would have said to Peter at that time. He could have said, Peter, now I want you to be very sure that you structure the church with proper government. I want you to be very sure that you lead the people in the right form of baptism. I want you to be sure that you are catechizing all the people properly. I want you to be sure, Peter, that you are organizing and leading the church in the right way. But he's saying to them, Peter, there is something that is important here that if you set this in the first place, then all other things will come in order after that. This was very, very important to the Lord. Now, after the second question, an answer was given. Jesus said to Peter, Feed my sheep. And the word sheep, as you can tell in our translation, is different from lambs. And a sheep would refer to a mature animal. And of course, as the Lord was illustrating His people by this and His church, it would be those believers that are spiritually more mature. And yet there is still the need for feeding. But this word for feed is different. And you have to understand that as the Lord Jesus was teaching this, and they're hearing into their ears different words being used every time, they would know immediately the distinction of meaning and the application to them. This second word, it means to tend, to rule, to govern, to oversee. So there is an aspect of the apostles' work, of the elders' work, of the deacons' work, of the ministers' work. There is an aspect to this that has to do with feeding by way of governing, by way of overseeing the sheep. Now, after the third question, this is very interesting. 
the Lord goes back to the first word He used, Bosco. So He says, feed my sheep. This time it's not the lambs, because in the first response it was, take care by nurturing, feeding, spiritual edification of the lambs, the needy ones in the flock, those who are more immature. Now in the last response, he is saying, I want you to feed, nurture, spiritually develop those who are the sheep that are more spiritually developed. In other words, we have to apply the Scripture, the teaching, the learning to those who can take it in the smallest form but also it has to be in the more advanced form doctrinally for the spiritual growth and strengthening of the church of God. Because the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must be strong because the Lord has said the people of God that are strong, that do know their God, what shall they do? They shall do exploits. They shall do advanced things. And so, just to review, you'll see these three things on the screen behind me. Number one, the word feed means provide for my lambs, for the needy, the less mature. The second response was the word feed to oversee my sheep, the mature ones, to govern, to rule, to help, to assist, to aid. And the third response was to feed by way of providing for my sheep, my mature ones. This was not lost on Peter, and I don't believe it was lost on the other disciples who were listening as well. For years later, when Peter was writing his epistle, this is what he wrote in 1 Peter 5 and verse 2. He exhorted the people, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Feed the flock of God and the word for feed that Peter used here is the same word that Jesus used in John 21 of the word oversight. And involved in the oversight, there is automatically that which is taking care. And this was clearly emphasized not just by the Apostle Peter but it was also emphasized by Paul for when he was writing to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, he said this, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, all the sheep, all the lambs, all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, that you will feed the church of God. And the word that Paul used there was the same word that means to govern, to oversee, and involved in all of that is the provision. Take heed, he's saying. How important is this to the Lord 
among His people that there is going to be order and structure and care. And dear friends, this is a word tonight for pastors and for elders. That would be the main application. But don't miss it. There is also application for those who are in a position of teaching, those in a position of authority in the church of Christ, whether it would be in Sunday school teachers, Bible class teachers, a ministry of teaching in the day school. The Lord wants us to preeminently take care of the instruction of spiritual matters among His people. Now, in our Christian school, necessarily the disciplines of life must be taught. An education must be given to our young people so that they can function in this world and be the very best believers and followers of Christ, no matter what occupation that God calls them to be. They must be equipped. But let us never forget that the preeminent purpose and reason of our school's existence is that there might be spiritual instruction for our children. This is preeminent in the mind of my God. This is fundamental from our Lord's point of view. The practical expression of the love of Jesus, love for Jesus, is seen here. What was the main point that our Lord was making to Peter and to the other disciples? The main point about loving Christ? The main point is this, that the expression that you and I have of our love for our Lord, it will be practically and really and experimentally seen in how we deal in spiritual care for others. In other words, friends, if we love Christ, we will love His people. We will love them when they're young and old. We will love them if they are mature and immature. We will love them if they are feeble or if they are strong. We will love them if they are high-maintenance or low-maintenance. If we say that we love Christ, but we love not His people, something is very wrong. Our spirit is wrong. Our motives are wrong. Our thinking is wrong. The whole understanding of the Gospel is upside down and defective. Therefore, we are called to fix it. That's what he said to the Ephesian church. Either you fix the problem, or I will remove your candlestick. And we can't go on year after year, decade after decade, and holding bitter, angry, unforgiving thoughts in our hearts against others, other believers. This is not of God. It's not of the Lord. And we cannot prosper in that. 
And so, yes, this is a word for pastors and elders and for us in the leading and providing for and overseeing of the church. It should turn up the heat of our responsibility to our people and to those we have any influence over. And believe me tonight, I do not speak by way of pointing fingers at others for I see my own deficiencies in this. And I am in need of your prayers for me in this part because we all need to have our hearts on fire for God and on fire with a zeal for His things. The things that Christ says are important, we want to see them as important. I, as a pastor, must see them as important in my own heart. And I ask for your prayers for me on this account. And pray for our elders that God would bless them and that the weight of responsibility upon their shoulders, they would realize it solemnly by the import of this command and these words that we are thinking about tonight. We cannot, we dare not take them lightly. The command of the Lord, feed my lambs and my sheep, provide, nurture, and oversee them. Many of you, I say this from my heart, are very easy to love as Christians. But maybe there are some of us that are harder to love. You need more grace to love those that are more unlovely. And we pray and do well to pray that God would enable all of us with a double portion of His grace, a double portion of His love, so that we will not be defective or deficient in this area. Listen, please, to what Mr. Ryle said here. He said, Love to Christ's person is one of the most important graces that can adorn a Christian, and especially a minister. Without it, correct doctrinal views, zeal for proselytizing, knowledge, eloquence, liberality, diligence visiting the sick, relieving the poor, are worth very little and will do very little good. With it, God is pleased to look over many infirmities. A minister may be somewhat defective in some areas of his views and even in some proceedings, but if he loves Christ and has a warm heart, God will seldom allow him to lack a blessing. And he goes on to say this, He that talks of loving Christ and idols through life, never trying to do good to others, is deceiving himself and will find at length that he has had better never been born. Those are strong words. They're solemn words. In other words, it searches our own hearts. Let's not be those who just talk a good talk. Let us be those who are sincere. 
You notice what the Lord did not pose to Simon? He didn't ask him about his theological knowledge. He didn't ask him on his ability to critique or compose a sermon. He didn't ask him if he was a capable organizer, but if he loved his Lord. And with that grace in his heart, he was to tend to the flock of God, giving faithful provision and spiritual oversight. This responsibility is great upon us all, every believer, and we need the power of God, not human effort that's going to be able to accomplish this. And it's good for us all to pray to that end. And so, just in conclusion tonight, four things on the screen behind me. The first one is this, that failing the Lord does not mean that we have lost our salvation. That's good to know. Failing the Lord does not mean that we're cast off and we're going to be in hell. No, because once God's grace has been upon us and we have been saved by His grace, we are saved for time and for all eternity, we will never be lost. Friend, do you experience and know that tonight? You're watching online. Are you born again of the Spirit of God? Do you know Christ? Because if you do, and you love Him, and even though you might fail, even though I have failed, I know the Lord has not cast me off. For we have been justified by the free grace of the Lord. And that means God has declared that I am free from sin and that I am a child of heaven. And we notice also there can be a recommission to service after failure. Even a serious failure like Peter. The Lord put him back on track. And friend, if we and when we have disappointed the Lord, don't think it's over for us in service. God can place us back on the track again. But we also are cautioned here because not all restoration will be to public service in the church, especially after a moral failure. And that really applies to those in office in the church, pastor, elder, deacon. If there has been a moral public failure, then the Lord does not cast off. And if there is restoration to service, it will be a different type of service. But it will not be public service again. It's a solemn truth. And we also know from the Scripture that feeding the lambs and sheep it's a priority with the Lord, and this heart of Christian service is and will be displayed by a genuine love for our Lord. I pray that God will help us through our study today. And we need the Lord's help, don't we? The Spirit's help to put it all together in our minds, 
Help us to imbibe it into our hearts. And we pray that God will do all of that for us tonight. We're going to close our service by singing hymn number 550. And let's make this a prayer for all of our hearts tonight. Search me, O God. Know my heart today. Try me, O Savior. Know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Let's stand as we sing. Father, we are thankful today for Your Holy Word and how it searches us out. And Lord, we pray as we have sung in this hymn that the Spirit will search us out and reveal all that is displeasing, all that is not consistent, Father, 
with your holy word, and that we might walk as pure vessels. We might walk as those who are sanctified, made ready for our Master's use. And to this end, Lord, we, we don't want just the nice experience of the Lord's Day evening to be our portion. But Lord, what we need is tomorrow morning as we awake to go out to do whatever we are called to do, that we will know the Spirit's power enabling, quickening us, energizing us in the Spirit, that we will live above and beyond. We will joy and rejoice in so great salvation. So, Lord, hear us. Father, if there are any unsaved ones here in our church now or watching our service or perhaps viewing the service at a later date. Father, work in their hearts. Bring conviction of sin and save by Your grace. So now, separate us in Your fear, Lord, with rich and mighty blessing until we gather tomorrow evening and, dear Father, set Your power and love and grace upon us and bless our meetings of prayer this incoming week. Bless the baptismal service on Wednesday night and may all these things be done to the honor and glory of our Lord Jesus. We ask in His precious name. Amen.